welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 111 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today, we're digging into co-parenting relationships. My line sister, Dr. Audrey Townsell, is back to chat all about the things you need to consider to effectively co-parent. But first, let's show some love to our sponsors. Support for today's episode comes from Naturalicious. Naturalicious is the world's first vegan, high-performance hair care line that delivers the results of 12 products in only three. It's designed to reduce time spent on hair care and is proven to save up to 80% of time on wash days. Naturalicious was founded by innovator Gwen Jameer, who is the first and only African-American woman to hold a patent on a natural hair care product. These products are great specifically for busy women with curly and coily hair, also known as 4C hair, and they are all natural. No sulfate, paraben, mineral oil, petroleum, gluten, and they're cruelty-free. These have become my go-to products as I love the way they leave my hair detangled and moisturized and they have significantly cut down on my wash day process. So if you want to cut down on the amount of products you use and get some time back in your busy schedule, then I definitely recommend that you try them. You can find the Naturalicious products in over 1,200 Sally stores nationwide or you can buy them online at sallybeauty.com. Use our exclusive promo code 555-555 at checkout to save 10% off of your purchase. Now let's get back to the episode. As a reminder, if you didn't hear Dr. Audrey Townsell on her last visit with us, she earned an undergraduate degree in psychology from Xavier University of Louisiana. She went on to complete her master's degree in healthcare administration at Tulane University and a master's and doctorate degree in clinical psychology at Nova Southeastern University in South Florida. Dr. Townsell returned to Tennessee in 2010 to become the Director of Psychology at Western Mental Health Institute. Shortly after, she began her career with Shelby County Jails as the Director of Mental Health in 2011, overseeing mental health services provided to the incarcerated throughout Memphis, Tennessee. Inspired by the obvious lack of psychological resources, Dr. Townsell established Calix Psychological Services to meet the needs of the community and to continue educating and attempt to reduce the stigma of mental illness. Dr. Townsell and I chatted about the different possibilities for co-parenting relationships, some of the main concerns that get in the way of being able to co-parent, how therapy can be helpful in developing a healthy co-parenting relationship, and the importance of making sure you're clear in your communication with your children about what the co-parenting relationship will look like. If you hear something while listening that really resonates with you, 
please share with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for being back with us today, Dr. Townsell. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, I'm very happy to have you back. So, you know, people have not listened and they definitely need to go back and listen to your episode that was all about how social media impacts our mental health. We are still getting comments and emails about that episode. So, yeah, so definitely that's one to check out um, if you haven't. But we want to talk today about co-parenting. And, you know, we've seen more in the news about people and what their co-parenting relationships look like. So I really wanted to dig into this. You know, it was also requested by people because this is sometimes a very difficult thing for people to navigate once a relationship has ended and children are involved. You know, it can become difficult. So I want to first start by hearing, like, what kinds of different types of co-parenting arrangements can people try? Like what are even the options for co-parenting? Okay. Well, just self-disclosure, I haven't been a co-parent for seven years. And I would say we've had a very successful co-parenting relationship. And I think we've gone through a lot of different stages and a lot of different styles of co-parenting and finally found the one that works for us and our son. So when we talk about the different types of co-parenting relationships, there are typically three common types. The first one is the high conflict co-parenting style. And usually this is one that is high in emotions, of course, the less favorable one. The communication is usually often done through court systems, lawyers, family members. And when the co-parents have to interact, it can become very toxic. And so research has shown like this is the co-parenting style where you see most of high um, depression, some learning disabilities. They have a poor ability to resolve conflict. So the next one is the parents who use a parallel coping style. So parallel means that they have very minimal contact. So this is, I'm in my house, you're in your house. We agree to exchange our child, but there's very little communication on how the child is raised. There's no personal exchange. It's almost like a business arrangement. And the effects on the child are similar to the ones of the high conflict co-parenting style. And we've talked about earlier that the last one is one of a collaborative co-parenting style. And that's the one that's kind of been in the media lately about, you know, with Will Smith, Jada Pinkett, with Beats Alicia Keys. This is a type of parenting style where there is a collaboration and things are talked through. And there is a very open type of communication between the parents and anyone else who's involved. And this is the type of parenting style where we see the more positive effects on a child. The child is less anxious, less depressed. They are engaged in social activities. They know how to resolve conflict easily. And their communication styles are more productive. Got you. Okay, so I think that that's great information for us to know. And I'm sure, you know, people are thinking like, of course, ideally, you would want to have this collaborative parenting style. But depending on whatever the situation was that ended the relationship, you know, like there could be lots of reasons why you Mm -hmm. might not immediately be able to get to this collaborative place, right? So what are some of the things you think, you know, that you kind of want to think about? What kind of work do you want to be doing to maybe move towards where you could be in a more collaborative place of co-parenting? Yeah, one, you have to always make sure that you compartmentalize your partner's ability to be a parent versus their ability to be a partner in the relationship. So once the relationship is resolved, you have to deal with that separately from their ability to be a parent. 
So really compartmentalizing to a certain extent your emotions about how the relationship ended and really focusing on the child. Because now at this point in the relationship, the goal is to raise a healthy child and not to kind of rehash certain things about the relationship. But simultaneously, you probably need to resolve those issues, whether that be in therapy, doing some self-reflection. And sometimes I've known couples who co-parent and go to therapy together. And so that's always a bonus. But there has to be some separation between the ending of that intimate relationship and the beginning of a co-parenting relationship so that it can be productive and healthy for the child. Yeah. And I want to hear a little bit more about like what compartmentalizing you know, looks like? Because of course, when you're dealing with something like a breakup or a divorce or, you know, something has happened, a lot of that bleeds into the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. right? And so Mm -hmm. what would it even look like to compartmentalize that so that you can, of course, focus on, you know, the parenting piece? Okay. Compartmentalizing is really being able to separate your personal emotions about the breakup and how you want to co-parent moving forward. So that means that you will have to make a conscious effort to separate your partner in an intimate situation and what worked or didn't work from their ability to be a co-parent. So basically really resolving or trying to resolve your feelings about them and their involvement in the relationship and what that will look like with them just being a parent. I advise my clients, um, most of my clients to go on the state website and print out their state's co-parenting plan. And what that plan does is just lays out basically everything that will involve your co-parenting situation. And that will be how many days, you know, each parent will have parent time, who will get the child on holidays, for all of those things are included on that parenting plan. I advise that we do that before emotions get involved. And when that's done, and you want to change after the breakup, then there's a question. Am I doing this out of the best interest of my child or am I doing this because I'm having some emotional response because of the breakup? But if the plan is already established and laid out, there is no question as to we're, we're focusing on the best care for our child. And so that's really what compartmentalizing looks like is you dealing with your emotions separate and apart from what it looks like for you to be a co-parent in, in a situation where you're no longer with the other parent in a relationship. Got you. And Dr. Townsend, does every state have this like on their website? I'm not sure if every state has one, but there are templates of how to navigate that conversation of developing what the co-parent and relationship will look like moving forward. Okay, so even if your state doesn't have a formal one, you can just Google co-parenting templates and it'll give you an idea of what, right. kinds, of, yeah, what kinds of topics. Okay, There's, to There are tons of templates out there online. Okay, okay. So you mentioned, Dr. Townsend, also that some co-parents will go to therapy to figure out how to negotiate this. Can you talk a little bit more about like what that might look like to work with a therapist to effectively co-parent? Absolutely. So... Um, Usually when I'm working with co-parents, I make sure that we have a clear objective of therapy. So the therapy is not for, or the goal of therapy is not to reconcile the relationship or for the parents to get back together if we're there just for co-parenting. So I highly recommend to not muddy the waters, that there be a decision made early on to stop all intimacy because that makes the co-parenting relationship very confusing. 
of course, we kind of get into some things about their feelings about how the relationship ended. Some Sometimes they're, the other parent wants to feel that they are heard or that um, their feelings are validated. And so we try as much as we can to resolve some of those lingering emotional issues. But for the most part, we work on communication and setting goals for what positive co-parenting will look like as we transition from an intimate relationship to strictly a co-parenting relationship. Now, it will be completely up to the parents if they want to reconcile their relationship at the end of therapy. But for me, that's not the goal if we're only there just to improve the co-parenting relationship. Got it. And I love what you said about making sure that that is clear from the front end, because, of course, there would be lots of confusion if one partner thinks we're coming in to try to, like, figure out how we're going to get back together. And the other person understands that we are really just figuring out how to parent together. Absolutely. And that's one of the first questions that I, I that I ask when they arrive is, what are your views on why you're here? And I ask them individually just to make sure that we're all on the same page. And, you know, one parent is um, not thinking that they're there for couples therapy, while the other just strictly, I'm here to be a better co-parent. So that's something that we address early on in the session, just to make sure that we're all on the same page and there's no confusion moving forward. Got it. Got it. So what are some of the topics where you find co-parents get stuck? Like, what are some of the things that kind of keep people having difficulty kind of moving forward in their co-parenting relationship? To be honest with you, the the number one issue that I see is unforgiveness and hurt about how the relationship ended and feeling that they were not heard or their feelings have been or just generally they've been violated. So to resolve those feelings, I think it's best to resolve them individually before we start to work on a co-parenting relationship, because usually there's one parent who is more upset than the other. And so that's kind of the person or the parent that we want to target first so that we can resolve some of those emotional hurts that they have so that we can move forward in a positive co-parent relationship. Again, the number one issue that I see is unresolved hurt. And I'm going to say this in all cases, but generally the mother has an unrealistic expectation of what the relationship should be once they have a child. And I think it goes back to when we were little girls and we had, we see, you know, we play with Ken and Barbie and they have a car and they, you know, they have a house, but sometimes every relationship doesn't end that way. And so to almost have the mother and and sometimes the father as well, but generally it's most moms never see themselves as single moms or having to raise a child in a situation where they co-parent. So it's really difficult for some people to accept the reality that the image that they have about what their life should be is not the reality of what's going on now. And so just having to resolve their conflict about their image of being a parent or being in a relationship with the father of their child and the reality that they'll be in a co-parent relationship is something that that I address often in therapy. So those are the most common things that I encounter in co-parenting situations. Okay, got you. Of course, you know, a mom and dad is kind of most commonly what we hear in terms of co-parenting situation after a relationship ends. But of course, we know families can look lots of different ways. So co-parenting 
could also be, you know, partners of the same sex who, mm-hmm. you know, have ended a relationship. They created their family through other means besides just a man and a woman. Um, so, so are there things that you think we need to pay attention to related to that? I would imagine some of it is the same, but there probably are some unique differences. No, yeah, really, we'll use the same tactic because um, everyone has some feelings about the ending of a relationship. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're a heterosexual couple or the same sex couple. You still go through the same grief of a relationship, having unresolved feelings about a relationship and then learning to transition into co-parenting. So a lot of the things are pretty much the same, especially when they have, you know, moved beyond, you know, um, societal expectations of quote unquote a typical um co uh, parenting relationship looks like with man versus woman when it becomes the same sex relationship. So it's really pretty much um the same trends and the same themes that we would talk about in a um a heterosexual couple. Got you. Okay. So I am curious to hear, um, because I know another hot button topic becomes when um, one of the parents starts dating again, right? Oh, yes. Yes, and this throws a whole new dynamic into the situation. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of things, um, what kinds of conversations maybe should you be having or how do you even negotiate the whole topic of dating again when you're co-parenting? I really think that once we've removed ourselves from that very tense emotional stage of co-parenting and we're able to communicate, I think the reality is that when you found your your partner attractive, there's a likelihood that other people will also. And, And life goes on and everyone wants to be in a relationship. So one, accepting the reality that they're that your partner or your ex-partner will or may move on, I think is key, but also communicating what that will look like for the both of you. I can tell you just from my experience, just having to have a conversation about what that will look like for us, meaning that, you know, we probably won't go to dinner as much as we do now, or we probably won't, you know, take family photos so often now, but just respecting the boundaries of the new partner, I think is really important and to know what that will look like for the child. Just going ahead and having that proactive conversation with your partner and what their wishes will be is paramount to moving past the difficult conversations of what it will look like when you add another co-parent into that. Um, And just listening to the other co-parent, everyone does not want the same thing. There are some situations where they don't want to meet the new partner, um, but it's really up to the co-parent and that parent being able to communicate what their wishes and needs are and have them respected by everyone. So I think that's really important. But secondly, also communicating with the child as to what it means to add another co-parent to the situation and making sure that they understand that this new relationship does not eliminate the relationship, the established co-parenting relationship that's already ongoing. But this is just another person that's entering the situation that also has to respect the boundaries that have been set between the co-parents. And what are your suggestions, Dr. Townsel, for when you even introduce a new person to your child? Like, do you have thoughts about that or recommendations? Just my personal opinion, I am against parents introducing children to every partner that they meet. That can lead to some confusion as to what relationships look like um, moving forward for that child, but also just wanting to protect 
the child from a lot of different energies, a lot of different people, their, their beliefs and their experiences that, I mean, you bring that into your child's life when you bring it into yours. So I think for me, you know, I recommend and for myself, if you know that there is, um, this is a very serious relationship um, and you've already vetted this person, you know about this person, you, you've met each other's families and you're talking about the next step in life together as a couple, I think then we start to slowly integrate introducing the children to your partner. Again, that takes time and, you know, and it'll take a lot of explaining to the child that this partner is not going to replace your parent. This is just who mommy or daddy are choosing to have an intimate relationship with. Got you. And you already kind of mentioned um, earlier about, you know, the situation that Will and Jada and Sherry and Swiss Beats and Alicia Keys and Mashonda, mm-hmm. like they seem to have, at least with their sharing, kind of gone a step even beyond like collaborative co-parenting where like it's, you mm-hmm. know, everybody is together and we go on vacation together and all of that kind of thing. Do you think that that is what, couples or co-parents should be striving to achieve or is that just another way that the co-parenting relationship can look? I think that's just another way that it can look. I don't think that that is for everyone, nor does everyone want that type of relationship. So again, it's really up to the partners as to what they want their relationship to look like. This is a very individualized choice and I admire their relationship, but I'm not sure that everyone would be able to maintain or even thrive in that type of situation. And if you hear their stories, they will tell you that it wasn't always that way. They, right. It sounds like they started off in a high conflict um, co-parenting situation and they had to navigate through their emotions for them to get to a place where they are. Now, again, it's not instantaneous, but it requires a lot of attention to your own personal emotions, reflection, working together through, you know, some issues that have been unresolved. But most importantly, I think that, you know, the key to their situations is they always keep the children first. Mm-hmm. Um, thrive in those situations. And, you know, some may not, but that works well for them. And you just have to choose what situations works best for you. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think sometimes you can have an internal sense of shame or other people try to shame you for maybe not having these idealistic ideas or idealistic pictures of what a co-parenting relationship should be. And I think it's okay, like you said, to have the relationship look like whatever works for your family. Correct. Correct. And, and and one thing, you know, you have to make sure that you're not listening to either family, friends or even media, social media as to what works best for you. You know, so, you know, again, those are all opinions, but they're not in the situation and they may not have the same emotional investment that you have to make sure that your child is thriving. So just making sure that if you would like to receive some feedback, that's That's awesome, but making sure that you don't internalize that um, in a way that makes you feel like you should be making a different decision than what, you know, you've already um, established as a good co-parenting situation for yourself. Yeah, and I do think that that brings up an interesting conversation about how to get your community, like your families and friends, your family members and friends kind of bought into the idea of whatever you and your parent, your co-parent decide the relationship will look like? Are there special considerations or things people should keep in mind about like how to get the rest of the community on board? 
Um, yeah, I think you have to set boundaries. As for me, you know, I make it very clear when people give me their opinions, I say thank you, but that's not what I choose to do in this situation. So one, you have to know exactly what you want and how you want it to look and communicate that to your partner. Again, this is a co-parenting situation, not a village situation. Um, So just making sure that you and your co-parent are on the same page before other people's opinions and feedback start to kind of taint that. Because again, they're not privy to the information that has been disseminated between you and your co-parent. And and most of the time, people have, you know, good intentions, but they're not you. So setting those boundaries are pretty important. I mean, so when someone starts to kind of comment on your situation, you being very assertive and saying, you know, thank you, but this is kind of how we choose to parent our child. Got you. So are there particular resources that you found really helpful for co-parents to either read or videos to watch? Like what kinds of things do you think could be helpful for somebody navigating a co-parenting situation? There's a blog called The Single Mother Survival Guide that I find really helpful. Some very helpful tips on that blog. But as far as books, I really, really recommend a book called Co-Parenting, The Black Girl's Guide to Co-Parenting by Azetta Joel. I think this book is very well written. It's a very short read, but it it gets down to the point. Also, we don't want to leave out the parent to uh, or the co-parenting relationships where we have one partner who wants to have a positive co-parent relationship and then the other partner who isn't invested, that invested in creating that type of relationship. And some of those situations do exist. Um, And so there is a book called Co-Parenting with the Toxic Ex that I find somewhat helpful to help the parents who really want to create a positive relationship to navigate and really take control of how to manage a co-parenting relationship when the other parent is not as involved or invested. And that book, again, is Co-Parenting with a Toxic Ex by Amy Baker and Paul Fine. I think that's a very helpful book that we can use in those particular situations. So let's touch on that a little bit too, because yeah, I don't want us to leave that out. So that's a great resource, but I'd also want to hear from you what kinds of suggestions you would have. I mean, because like we said, we have kind of spent primarily this time talking about if both people are on board, right? But what if the other partner is not on board? So maybe you are really excited about it and really want to make it work. And then the other person is not. So what kinds of suggestions would you have there? One, don't get frustrated because the other co-parent doesn't want the relationship that you want. And I think that's key because I'm sure we all want to create a positive experience for our child, but there are some co-parents who aren't ready for that. So for you to kind of lead by example, and I know it's always hard for us when we are the more mature one to always take the high road. But again, this is not about us. This is about the child. And so making sure we don't get involved in that trap of kind of confusion and chaos that some co-parents create by not wanting to have a positive relationship. But again, staying focused on what can I do in this situation to maintain a positive relationship with my child? And again, that will probably go back to one of those co-parenting styles where you have a parallel co-parenting situation where you parent the child on your time and how you fit as long as it's healthy and it's not abusive. And I will co-parent, you know, the way that I choose on my time. And so maybe having a separate co-parenting situation may be the best for you just to save your sanity and making sure that you don't become 
emotional at every exchange or every communication that you have with the co-parent. Yeah, because I would imagine that that still cuts down on the conflict, right? So even though ideally you may want a situation where both of you are involved in making decisions together and that kind of thing, if that can't happen, then like you said, just making sure that both people are parenting in a way that's not abusive and not harmful may be better than trying to like work towards getting it to where you're on the same page. Absolutely. It, It goes back to accepting the reality of the situation that you're in. You know, you may want something different, but the reality is, you know, you may be co-parenting with someone who doesn't want the same co-parenting style as you. And that's okay. But how do you make that work with, you know, making sure that your child is happy? Perfect. So where can our listeners find you again, Dr. Townsend? What's your website as well as your social media handles? Okay, so my website is www.calix, and it's C-A-L-Y-X, psychological.com. And I finally have an Instagram. So (laughs) the Instagram handle is C-A-L-Y-X Psychological. And it's the same on Facebook, Calix Psychological. Perfect. And of course, all of that will be in the show notes so people can find you easily. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us again, Dr. Townsend. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for inviting me again. I'm so grateful Dr. Townsend was able to join us again today. To learn more about her or her practice, Visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 111. And don't forget to share your takeaways with us either on Twitter or in your IG stories using the hashtag TBG in session. Don't forget to show some support for our sponsor for this episode, Naturalicious. Naturalicious is the world's first vegan high-performance hair care line that delivers the results of 12 products and only three. You can find the products in over 1,200 Sally stores nationwide, and you can also get 10% off your purchase online by going to sallybeauty.com and using the promo code 555-555 at checkout. Next week, I'm hosting the inaugural Black Girl Clinician Collective, or BGCC as it's affectionately known, retreat. Myself and 30 other Black women therapists will be heading to South Carolina to learn strategies to take our practices to the next level and to build and strengthen our relationships with one another. I'm super excited as this is my first major event and I wanted to make sure to thank our generous sponsors for making it possible. Our first sponsor is Kelly and Miranda of Zenny Me. Kelly and Miranda provide private practice training and coaching by two therapists for heartfelt business owners who care. You can find out more about them and their services at zinnyme.com. Our next sponsor is the Gottman Institute. If you've been listening to the podcast for a minute, then you know that the books by Drs. John and Julie Gottman often come highly recommended by our guest therapists. The mission of the Gottman Institute is to reach out to families in order to help create and maintain greater love and health in relationships. They're committed to an ongoing program of research that increases the understanding of relationships and adds to the development of interventions that have been carefully evaluated. It's their goal to make services accessible to the broadest reach of people across race, religion, class, culture, sexual orientation, and ethnicity. You can learn more about the work that's done at the Gottman Institute at Gottman.com. 
And our third sponsor is Thinkific. Thinkific is a software platform that enables entrepreneurs to create, market, sell, and deliver their own online courses. Their mission is no less to revolutionize the way people learn and earn online by giving them the tools they need to turn their expertise into a sustainable business that impacts both them and their audience. You can learn more about their amazing platform at thinkific.com. And of course, all of the information will be shared in our show notes. So if you want to learn more about the sponsors for the retreat, you'll be able to find all of that at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 111. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, don't forget to check out our directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And to continue this conversation with other sisters who listen to the podcast, come on over and join us in the Thrive Tribe, which is the Facebook community for our podcast. You can request to join at therapyforblackgirls.com slash tribe and be sure to answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.